You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Please take your Bibles, if you will, and open up to the Bible book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to look at chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. And we're going to be continuing our series. Uh, You see it here, Jesus built. Let's do this. We've got our let's do this buckets here, and we're all ready to roll. We've been... uh, Continuing our teaching series, uh, looking at our family of believers uh, called Christians, uh, most commonly called the church. Church is not a building, it's people. And how we are to function in part of Jesus's construction crew. We've been learning a lot about that, that we need to do this together and to do this in love. And this morning, we're going to be looking at that God has gifted us to participate in unity, which brings up some questions to consider. And so take out, if you would, out of your worship folder, there's an outline inside there. You see there's a lot of other things. Uh, by the way, if you want to know what we're voting on, there's this little flyer tells you what we're voting on in this little business meeting. That, that But there's an uh, outline that's inside there that has some fill-in-the-blanks on it, and you want to take those out and uh, hang on to that. There's also a lot of extra verses that I'll be giving, and so you can collect one of these. It's uh, our study guide. A lot of our life groups, our small groups use these. And if you're not in a life group, small group, outside these double doors at the end of the service, you can meet Carrie and he can tell you how to get connected and all of that. Love you to do that. Pick up one of these because not only does it have the questions you can do for personal study, your life group study, but on the back, it has all the answers to the fill in the blank and all the extra verses. So you don't have to worry about, I didn't get the verse, Mike. It's there. So I want to encourage you to, to grab a hold of that as we move forward this morning. Well... In just a few days, this nation will have a new president, and the commercials will be gone. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Well, actually, it's not until January 20th when they're inaugurated and and put in office at that point, but, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, all through this uh, period, there's been mixed feelings. Uh, most are happy this horrible and deplorable campaign is coming to an end. Many are frustrated and they're furious. Some are fearful of what is to come. Feeling like this has never happened before. Yet this is nothing new for America. In the 1800s, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson had a bitter campaign, name-calling Uh, digging up potential issues to fault their opponent. Adams said that if this country elected Thomas Jefferson as president, it was all over. Sound familiar? Much of the country felt in in 1860 that if Abraham Lincoln was elected, the nation would not survive. Now, it almost didn't with the Civil War, yet God seemed to use Abraham Lincoln to bring the nation back together again. Throughout FDR's, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's four terms, people spoke of him bitterly, calling him a dictator. And in 1964, some of you remember this, Lyndon Johnson worked calculated smear tactics destroying Barry Goldwater, and it worked. These tumultuous political times are nothing new for this country. But please know, God is not limited 
nor will he be thwarted by who gets in office. Remember that. That what measure passes or don't, it, it, God is not limited by our choices or even our faith. He wants us to not be consumers, but true citizens who participate, to be involved, to, to use the gifts and abilities that he has given us. So yes, if you are able, vote. Study, research, read. Don't just depend upon the commercials to tell you what to do. Look at the propositions. Study the candidates. Pray and vote. These are ways we are to participate. That's what citizens do. And there's more that citizens do. They get active. They get involved. They participate in our communities, in our churches. See, God never intended for us to be spectators or just consumers. God called us out. Matter of fact, that's what the church, the word church means in our Bible. It means the called out ones. It's that sentiment that God has given us a mission, a job, something to do. And God has called us out. We're called out ones too, as, as Matthew 5, verses 13 and to 16 say, to be salt, to be light, to do good works. So people see God. We are, to, we are called to be the seasoning in our community, in our homes, in our workplace, in our schools, in our businesses. We are that seasoning of life to bring and enhance the flavor of life by the, the gifts and abilities God has given us to use and employ into our cities. The same with being the light, that we're to be that light in the dark place. He actually has you in the neighborhood you have so that you would be a light in that neighborhood. You would be able to illuminate with God's wisdom the truths of our world and also to point them to Christ, the ultimate light of life, the one that will light up their life. And through those good works that you would be the living gospel, the living good news, and people would see God in that. We're part of a, of a greater calling of God. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, 19 through 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples. The word go means as you go, as you live your life, as you're involved in the different things that you're involved in in life. That we're to, to not just soak in the teachings of God ourselves, but to also be thinking of how to include others in what we're doing. We're all part of this discipleship understanding that we are to be making disciples for Christ through examples and mentoring and coaching. And as Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 says, to, to, to raise up leaders who equip saints for the work of the ministry so that the body of Christ, the church, can be built up and grow. That's Jesus' building project. That each church would be Jesus built and us part of his construction crew with abilities he has given to us. It's like the Legos you have on your chair. Now I know some people sat down and whoo, got a little Pentecostal on you. Woohoo! Uh, what's that? Some of you sat down and didn't feel a thing. There's a Lego down there? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't think it was that funny, but I... <clears throat> but you have this, this Lego piece, and uh, it, just like that, God has given us gifts. We, you've been given a Lego piece. And then we're to, to use that, employ that, and to, to, to build something with it. It's not just there for decoration. What good is one Lego alone except for a decoration? They were created to build together to make something wonderful. 
And just like you've been given a Lego, God's given us a gift to use in life, at work, at school, with our friends, in our families, in our sports, in our neighborhoods, in our community. Each of us have gifts and talents and abilities given to us by God. Romans chapter 12 talks all about that. So does 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. And 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 to 7 says, says, fan the flame of that gift. In other words, let it burn. Let it be so useful that it's like white hot being used. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, which we'll look at in a little bit, says that each one of us who have come to faith have a gift. Yes, God has given all people gifts and, and we come to faith that, that that gift is perfected and he actually level, uh, lavishes on more gifts when we come to faith. But the truth is, that gifting really gets engaged when we're connected to God. But we're not born automatically connected to God. Actually, we've been born with a, a, a wall, a, a, a force shield between us and God. We cannot get to God because of our, what the Bible says, sinful state. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the reality of life. Some people don't get that reality. That's why it's so important to understand that we're sinful and we need a Savior because there's this, uh, this, this, this chasm, or some people call it a chasm, but it's also a, a wall between us and God. And try as we might to get to God, we can't do it on our own. There's nothing we can do to smash down that wall. We can't try to jackhammer it uh, away with some good works. We can't try to melt it away with being nice and kind and handing out all kinds of money and helping people and even memorizing the Bible or going to church. Nothing tears down that wall that's why we need a savior that's why we get so excited at christmas time not just because of the presents we receive but because of what god has given us this wonderful gift of his son our savior who actually took care of that wall when he died in the cross and the sin of the world was dumped on him he paid the penalty for that sin and eradicated that wall so now we have the ability to, through the choice of our faith and belief, walk into relationship with God. And when we do, woo, my goodness, those gifts now can come alive and be used for something truly useful. And God has allowed us. And so when we come to faith, those gifts are used. So Paul, in writing this letter to the, a church like ours and a city like ours, is helping them and us to understand God has gifted us to participate in unity. And as we learned last week, as Carrie explained, uh, this Bible book of Corinthians is a letter. And the, the last half of this letter is answering a number of questions. One of those questions is the question of participation and ability. See, in the, in the Corinthian church, uh, some didn't really understand this whole idea. I've got a gift. Someone's handed me a gift. I, what is the gift? I don't know what the gift is. What do I do with this gift? Others say, oh, I got the gift. I got the best gift. Well, my gift's better than your gift. Oh, you only got that gift? Well, I got the good gift. Some going, I, I, I know I got a gift, but I don't want to use it. I don't want that kind of responsibility. <laughs> I just want to hang on to it and hold on to it and bury it and sit on it. You know what happens when you sit on a Lego? It hurts. But Paul walks them through the understanding that God has gifted us to participate in unity. And in this passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11, he deals with this. And so let's explore this Bible passage by asking three questions to say, let's do this in unity 
participating on this Jesus-built project. So before we do that, if you wouldn't mind sitting aside your Bible and your notes, just stand up for one second and let's pray and ask God to, to teach us this morning. Father, thank you. Thanks for bringing us here and thanks for the time and the fun we can have just enjoying some good music and challenging those, even that and worshiping you and, and loving on you in that way. But also, Lord, through your word, open us up and Holy Spirit, do something in our lives. Challenge us. This Sunday, do something. Dig deep, Lord, into us. And help us see that how we might move closer in our walk with you and, and even discover maybe our gifts and, and using them for your glory. Be with us this hour and use this time, we pray in your son's name. Amen. Have a seat. I encourage you to take that notes page and jot down some notes and again, pick up the study page as you uh, end the service and do a little study on this week. But three questions uh, to say, let's do this in unity. The first question is, who is influencing me? Now, that may seem like a, an odd question, who is influencing me? But knowing who we let lead us and who we listen to is critical in being part of God's construction crew. You see, if I, I've given you a Lego, and if I was to say that Lego has a plan, we're going to build a, a castle or we're going to build a, a stormtrooper or something up here, we're going to do some kind of crazy Lego thing, there's a plan with that. There's instructions with that. And if we decide not to listen to those instructions, it's going to look kind of weird. It's not going to be quite what the designer designed it to be. And so yet we need to follow those plans. And we need to listen to those authorities that put us in, in place. And so God has gifted us with something. And his plan is for us to employ it involved in using and doing his work. And so we need to listen to him. And who we listen to is vitally important. See, there are all kinds of teachers in Corinth and challenging them to go one way or another. So let's look in on this and see what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, or chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. As Carrie talked last week, Corinth was a culture where people sought power. One part of that power is the power of knowledge. Knowledge was very important to the Corinthian believers. Oh, it's important to us too. We want to know. Uh, but but the, how it was in Corinth is the same as how it was in here. We don't care even if it's true. We just want to know the inside scoop. Tell us the, what it's really happening. <clears throat> so we get lost in almost those tabloidish things that come out. But because there are all kinds of teachers and, and people speaking out in Corinth, saying that they had the information that was answers in life. Paul wants them to say, hey, I want you to be informed with the truth. I want you to know what's going on. I want you to be in the know of this. And so, knowing is important. It's like who to vote for. We have propositions that say yes and no, and their advertising seems so convincing. But even more with that, it's the decisions of life. Who are we listening to for decisions of how we spend our time and how we spend our money and where we put our attention? Paul wants them and us to be informed, to be in the know of these aspects of life and to be in the know about these gifts and abilities for us called out ones to use. See, we've all been given those spiritual gifts, every single one of us. And yet we have this tendency to either want to hide it, sit on it, do nothing with it, 
or to think that ours is the best. And so Paul is answering that question of who should influence us. For it should not be the idols of life that influence us. Verse 2. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Even though they were mute, you were led by them. An idol, as Pastor Tim Keller puts it, is anything that is more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you what only God can give, that's an idol. And our heart is an, is an idol factory. We can make an idol out of anything. We make an idol out of our work, out of success, out of our material possessions, out of our spouse, out of our kids, out of our self. We can make an idol out of anything. Looking to it more than God for the things and important things of life. Many times it's what we dream about is what our idols are. And idols tend to influence us. And we need to be careful that we're not listening to the idol, but listening to the Lord. See, if we're going to use the gifts God has given us, we are to set our mind and our main influence on Jesus. Look at verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaks in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. You know it's from God if they say Jesus is the one who's in charge. If they say Jesus' way is not right, then you know it's not from God. And many times the idols of life say that. Oh, I don't want to follow what Jesus says about being giving. I want to give to myself and put myself in front. Jesus says, lessen yourself and elevate God. And yet we want to elevate self and lessen God. That's like saying Jesus be accursed. In the same way, the verse goes on and says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And those things of life that elevate God, those are the right things in life. And that we should have Him in that center place of life. Too much we get swayed and are self-focused and have an idol of self. It's like with these Legos. uh, We want to either get more or build our own way or make our own peace prominent. And yet, we need to be always elevating God. God has given these gifts to us and has a plan for us to use them together. God has gifted us to participate in unity. So the question is, what is really influencing you and the use of your gifts? Is it God? Is it self? Is it something else? 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out of, into the world. If it does not elevate Jesus and his lordship, it's not from God. What's really the motivation for you to put that post on Facebook or wanting that position of leadership or, or being recognized or having your way be noticed? Remember Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10.31, which says everything we need to do for the glory of God, not self or anyone else or anything else. Let Jesus be the main influencer as we learn of him and follow his teachings and be about his purposes. It's really in making Jesus the, the Lord of your life, the owner, the master, the leader of your life. 
See, when I came to faith, uh, I came to faith in junior high, and I really didn't know much about living life for God. I understood that I was sinful. I mean, I knew that really well. Uh, I had messed up and, and, and was struggling inside, and Jesus and his love just attracted me to him. And so I came to Christ, August 22nd, 1972. My friend Jeff led me through a prayer, and I received the Lord. And I was happy. I was excited. There was life change. I felt something different. And, and I was, you know, just happy kid knowing that I was saved from my sin. I was going to heaven and that Jesus loved me. And so I just began to live my life. And I didn't know anything about Jesus being the, 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 the key leader and master and Lord and Savior, uh, Lord of my life. I didn't know anything about that. So I just kind of lived my life my own way. Did whatever I kind of felt was right. I didn't even think about asking if God was in it or if I should be living life or even trying to examine my life against Scripture. I just said, well, if, I fe- if it feels right, I might as well just do it. And that got me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and I started kind of a down a, a path of sin. And I got so far down in that path of sin that uh, I thought my life was over as I knew it. I thought I, I just messed up my entire life. And God dealt with me in that moment and I realized that I was living for myself and my pleasures and not really for God. And I can't remember the date or the time, but I do remember coming to God and saying, I'm tired of living life my own way and I really need to submit to you as the Lord and leader and owner of my life. And I made him or acknowledged him as Lord of my life. And lived in a submission to his will and his way. Following his word. Doing what he says. Seeking to obey what he is over my own will. Now I'm not perfect in that area. I'm trying to learn. And I mess up at times just like everybody else. But I set forth on making him Lord of my life. Are you there? See what I find in, in a lot of Christians' lives today is that they've made that profession of faith somewhere back in their life. And yet they've just kind of, okay, I got my, you know, get out of heaven card, or get out of hell card, <laughs> get into heaven card, and I made my reservation, and I'm set. I'm just going to go live my life my own way and forget about God and put him on the shelf. And yet, is that really being saved? That's a good question to consider. But maybe the reason you're not experiencing the joy of faith is because you really are not living under submission of God. He's not your Lord. But you can make and acknowledge him as Lord by coming to that place of surrender. And when you do, God wants to use you because you've been gifted to participate in unity. Let him be the Lord of your life, to be that key influencer of life. Only under the loving influence of Jesus can our gifts be fully used. So now comes the question, what is my gift? Let's look at verse 4 of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. You know what the word everyone means? Yeah. It means everyone. Not just you three over here and not that person. Or not this person and and, and not those people. It's everyone. We all have these gifts. Three aspects of this 
area of gifting, giving us clues to what our gifts and abilities might be. The first is that there are a variety of gifts. Not just a certain set few. There are a variety of gifts. Verse 4, there are a variety of gifts. Abilities, talents, and skills God has given for His purposes. Some aptitudes that the Spirit has been developing through much of our life. Others are for certain times in certain places. And there's lists of them in Scripture. Verse 8 starts one of those lists. And for one, given through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge in the same Spirit. To others, faith in the same Spirit. Gifts of healing in one Spirit, according to the working of miracles. Another, prophecy. Another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. Another, a variety of kinds of tongues. And another's interpretation of tongues. Verse 11. All these are empowered by one Spirit and the same Spirit who who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Again, they're each one. We've all been given gifts, given by the Spirit to us to use and and to figure out all this list. Uh, Romans chapter 12 is another list of gifts. They're all over Scripture, but we all have them, just like these Lego pieces. We're to discover and refine and to use them. It's like a... um, is Eliza, are you up there, Eliza? There's Eliza. There's, there's, there's Eliza. Say hi, Eliza. Hi, Eliza. Eliza came to Christ a little over a year ago. Um, and uh, some of you saw his uh, testimony up on the screen on Easter. And uh, Eliza was given a great gift by God uh, early on. He's a really good musician, plays a lot of different instruments. And when um, the Garden Grove worship leader, Sean, was away on a mission trip, Eliza stepped in and led worship uh, for about six weeks over in the Garden Grove campus. He also leads worship for some of the classes in here and some small groups up there, and he's got some good talents. And now he's learning some new talents. He really wants to uh, expand uh, the, to see if God's given him some talents in the area of sound and, and lighting and so forth. And so now he's up in our sound booth working with that. Many of you, uh, so he's using his gifts. He's discovering and using. Many of you, uh, uh, how many of you have read a Connections? Okay, well, this Connections really came about because Marlis, back there, she decided to, you know, I can volunteer a few hours in the office. <laughs> and, uh, and she started looking at this, and, and, we, and we asked her to do a few things in this, and all of a sudden, she has really put together an amazing uh, tool that is wonderful. And really, when she took over, it took off, because it's a, she has gifts and abilities, not only in clerical ideas, but she's got some gifts and abilities, and this is the product of that. Because she's willing to do that. Jillian Painter, one of our high school students, has, a, has an amazing ability to help with special needs kids. And so in our children's ministry, she's been involved in that and being used of God. And I can go on and on and on and list a number of people that have been used of God and, and they're, they're discovering their gift and employing it and using it. And that comes to the next point, that these gifts are given to employ as service. The act of using the gift. For what Good is a gift or ability if not used. It just becomes a decoration. And sometimes our life is just full of decorations. (laughs) And yet God has given us a tool to use. I was on a mission trip a while back, and I can't remember, I think we were building a house. And um, we couldn't find the hammer. And, And, you know, so we're nailing in stuff with rocks and pipes and sticks. And I was rummaging through my stuff, and I realized... I'm the one who has the hammer. Oops. <laughs> Let, needless to say, the team was a little mad at me. 
Mike, you should have known you had the hammer. You should have known it. We would have been, you know, here they are with bandaged fingers because they've knocked their hand off of that. But that's the same way it is with us. God's given you a gift. He intended for you to use it. And when you don't, we miss out. It's like a Lego piece. If, if, if it was a kit and you decided, I'm not going to use this piece because I don't want to. I'm tired of using my Lego piece. I don't want that responsibility of using my Lego piece. I don't have time to put down my Lego piece. Well, the, it's not built. We miss out when you don't put down what God has given you. God has given you a gift to employ in service. That's what he intended. So another clue is that God has given us this gift. And it's to be used. So the gift will have opportunity. So be careful that you're not being too narrow. And it's not something that we're waiting for. Well, I'm going to wait until somebody tells me to use the gift. No, God has given you to that and wants you to take the initiative to find out where it fits in. <clears throat> at, at the church, maybe in the office or with little kids or in leadership. or We've all been given the, the gift to give. God's called us all to give. We're to give of our, 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 our finances. But some of you have been uniquely gifted as givers. And God has called you to do that. And for some reason, he keeps giving you so that you can give it away. And you go, I want that gift. <laughs> but would you really give it away? Because God gives people to give, those, to give, give it away. And some, you have that gift in your neighborhood, in your community, in your church. It takes some effort. It takes some initiative. So a gift will have an opportunity. But be careful we're not being too narrow or seeking too much comfort. Well, it's got to feel right. No, it doesn't necessarily have to feel right. Using that gift and ability means it's going to take some effort and some energy. These gifts engaged in service will reveal results, results that God brings about. Some of you, in verse uh, um, 6, it says, and there are varieties of activities. That word activities, some of your Bibles translate that as, as workings or works. Uh, the essence of that word there literally means results. That the effort given will give forth some kind of results. And we know that God takes the efforts that we put in, laying down our Lego piece, using our gifts, and he brings it about and gives the results. So in a sense, God will use those gifts and abilities and there will be results. So another clue of our gifting is God uses it. You know, I I love how um, Carrie... uh, Kaufman has already been used of God in so many ways. Not only the preaching they did last week was phenomenal, but also in the area of small groups. <clears throat> I mean, he just jumped in. And many people got connected in groups. And our, actually, our, our, our life group ministry is, is, is really growing under his leadership. There is results of his efforts because he has a gift. He has a gift of connecting people and, and encouraging them to get involved. And he has a heart for that. And God uses them that. Uh, other preachers, God is has been used. How many of you have heard Pastor Justin preach? Isn't he an amazing preacher? Yes. He's, he's one of our best, if not the best. But some of you have been long enough. Do you remember, remember when Justin first started preaching? Oh my. <laughs> I 
I mean, he would grip the pulpit and drink water and he'd talk 100 miles an hour. And God just refined that gift to where, like I said, he is one of our finest preachers, if not the finest. Sorry, you're getting second and third best. But, but I just, it's just amazing. When God gifts you, there's results. These gifts of the Spirit are given and grown by the Spirit. Jesus, they're Jesus empowered and employed and God secures the effects and the end results. So the question is, what's your gift? What is that inkling to be involved that God has given you? What is something you are good at? What opportunities does the Lord bring your way and what have been some of the results of your involvement? There's all kinds of ways to participate inside your worship folder and out in the lobby to talk about neighborhood parties. Some of you are amazing at hospitality you need to open your home and be do one of these christmas parties or 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 going on project joy you've got that ability to interact with people of different cultures and you'd love to go down to mexico for sure all of us can fill a shoebox. but maybe it's serving also in your local schools you see god has gifted us to participate in unity to be that salt and that light in our community Influenced by Jesus, we discover and engage the gifts given as we work on God's plans. The question is, what is the plan? Look at verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The gifts of the Spirit are not mainly for the edification of the individual who receive them, but for the good of all believers. 1 Peter 4.10 puts it this way. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. To serve others because God has a plan to move people on to be more like Jesus. If you want to write down a verse, you can look at it later. It's Colossians 2 verse 10, that we are being conformed to the image of God's Son, which is Jesus. 1 Corinthians 14 12 says, So with yourselves, since you were eager for manifestations of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, strive to excel in the building up of the church. That's not a building, that's people, remember. That we're to come alongside and and encourage and, and use our gifts and ability to build up and help mature people as we grow. And God is willing to let us be part of it, part of the plan to glorify God and to make disciples sharing Jesus and loving like Jesus. Ephesians 4.12 to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. God's plan is to bring people in, into this body of believers, into this church, build them up and equip them and send them out. It's a unified plan and we are to be unified in participation. God has gifted us to participate in unity. It's not to create our own plan and to do do what we want, but to jump into God's plan. And it's not so much about me, but about we. We have a plan. And God wants us to be part of it. So join in. You know, there's such a, there's such a danger, especially in uh, um, the church in the West, especially in this nation. We are so um, almost militant, individualistic people that we have a hard time thinking that the world shouldn't revolve around me and my wants and my inalienable rights. And yet God wants us to join in, in unity, to do what he's doing in our world. And that's what we need to jump into, to use our Lego piece, to to figure out what God wants to do, and then to employ it, use it, put it down, and make it happen. 
But God's way, His plan is always best. He's chosen you and, and given the gifts you have and He wants you to be part of His plan. Now some of you are already using your gifts and abilities and that's awesome. Continue to do so. Others of us need to, to try. We need to pick some thing that we're good at and give it a try. Uh, to, 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 you know, maybe you're good in clerical work and you can work in our church office and great, get involved. Make a contact, call the office, figure out how to do that. Same with our children's ministry, our youth ministry, our usher ministry, or our Holy Grill barbecue ministry. By the way, we can all be involved in that with Hands and Feet LA as we go and serve on Thanksgiving and, and pull together meals for the homeless in that regard. See, God has gifted us to use that. Now, just like, remember, take up your Lego piece. Hold, hold it in your hand. And notice your Lego piece is a little different than anybody else's. Sometimes it's a different color. Sometimes it's a different size. Some of, you have a, some of you have a lot of snaps on yours. Some of you have just a few snaps. I know there's one or two out there that has just one. You just have one snap. It's okay. It's still, still meant to be connected. I just have one gift. Well, God wants you to use that one gift. Some of you, you know, you're multiply talented in a thousand different ways, and you, matter of fact, you love to click in in every way possible. That's okay. It's, it's finding out whatever that is and click in. Again, a Lego alone is just simply an, an ornament. Wow, look at how neat that Lego is. But it's meant to be connected, to be snapped in with other Legos to build something amazing that God is doing. So jump in. God has gifted us to participate in unity. God never intended us to be just consumers, but to be citizens of heaven that discover God's gifting and seek to use the abilities he has given us to fulfill God's plan. It's not easy. It's going to take effort and energy. It's not just going to come to you all the time. You're going to have to seek it out. And it's okay. Oh, it's too hard. I don't know. I don't want the responsibility. God gave you the gift so that you would use it. So figure it out. And each one of us have one. I'm not, you know, good enough. I don't know. No, God has gifted you to use that ability. And like those Legos, find a place to snap in. Ask some key questions. Who's really influencing me? What's my gift? What is the plan? Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for the truth that your word has given us, Lord, that we do have a gift. You want us to snap in. You want us to, to connect. You want us to get involved in some way. And so, Lord, help us. I know it's so easy for us to get thinking that we either don't have one or it's not the right one or whatever, God, and yet you just want us to start moving. So Lord, help us in that. Help us to organize our life so we even have time to do that. And bless us in the process, we pray in your son's name. Amen. It's so easy for us as people to, to lose sight and to lose our focus. And actually, Jesus set up a ceremony at the very beginning when he was with his disciples towards his end, towards the time when he actually went into crucifi- to be crucified. I guess it's not really his end. He never ends. He's eternal. But to the ends of his human life. 
He brought the disciples together in an upper room there celebrating the Passover Seder. And in the middle of that ceremony, he created a new ceremony that the church was going to continue from time on to keep Christ central and to keep reminding ourselves of why we do what we do. See, we're not gifted and given these abilities for ourselves. We're given them for what God is doing and that he is in control. And he's the one who's central. And so to remind us that the ceremony of communion was created by the Lord. And if those, we're going to take, participate in that. And so if those who are helping prepare, prepare the tables, if you wouldn't mind heading toward there's two in the front and two in the back. And so you can help prepare those and you can move at this point uh, to be able to set those tables up. But <clears throat> the ceremony of communion was to help us to, to recalibrate ourselves with really that who's that key influencer of life. That it's got to be Jesus. In the Passover Seder and in the ceremony of communion, the bread was broken and Jesus said, this is my body given for you. See, Jesus is the true sustenance and bread of life. He is the one that we live for. He is the one that we should be about. He is the one who really gives us that sustenance in life. He is the one that we live for. And and as we take it in, we're to, to let that kind of dissolve in our mouth and dissolve into our life and that every aspect of our life will be touched by the fact that he is in control. He is the one who's that centerpiece of our life. And then the cup, which is a, uh, came around there, was the cup of redemption, that understanding that, yeah, we're, we've been sinful and that we've crossed over because of what Christ did in the cross. His death dissolved that wall between us and God. And it's nothing we did on ourselves. It would be because of him. Now we have a new relationship with God that's based not on works, but based on grace of something that Christ has done. And so this cup represents that, that, that new life, that new covenant between us and God. It's red like blood. It doesn't become blood, neither does the bread become the body of Christ. Literally, they're just simply symbols of that. He died so that we might have that relationship with God. And because of his death, we now have that new relationship with God. And so we we drink, we're being reminded of that. And so that's what this ceremony of communion is all about. And our custom in here is that we have um, uh, four stations, two in the front and two in the back. And after I pray, um, you can come and collect those elements and and then we'll partake them together. And Jeff uh, Herbidi and our elder chair is going to come and lead us in the taking of the cup and the, uh, the bread in the cup as we participate together. So hold on to those until we participate together. But let me, uh, let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for just the reality of, of what you've done for us, Jesus. And Lord, we need times like this to be reminded that you're the one who gives us sustenance of life, not ourselves. It's not about us. It's about you. You're the one who saved us. And Lord, we want to live each day as a thank you to you using those gifts and abilities for what you would want because they come from you. Bless us in this time, Lord. And renew us again in our faith in you, we pray in your son's name.